Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Risk's L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on the sharing and gig economy. L. is also the chair of the Marketplace Risk Advisory Board. Please note, this podcast has been prepared for informational purposes and is not legal advice by the Marketplace Risk team or the presenters. The material discussed should not be construed as legal advice or a legal opinion on any specific issue. We urge you to consult a lawyer concerning your own situation and any specific legal questions you may have. Please contact us at info and we can put you in touch with the appropriate professional. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Al. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Platform Podcast. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by the Executive Director of the Trust and Safety Professional Association, that's the TSPA, Charlotte Wilner. Charlotte, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a real pleasure. And I know that you are fairly new to your role, although um, I have to say 2021 is is um, marching on swiftly. So it was um, it was the end of 2020 that you you took on this role. And um, tell me a bit about that and where where you had um, come from. What what um, is the, the journey to taking on a role like this? And um, maybe tell us also a little bit about the TSPA as well. That would be a great start. Yes, I'd love to. Um, so I, uh, I have spent the last 15 years of my career uh, doing trust and safety work online. I started as a, as a moderator on a baby names forum. Um, that was my sort of intro to online trust and safety work. Uh, but my first full-time job was uh, the customer support team at Facebook, which was then um, a pretty small startup. And I have done this work now for Facebook Uh, and then for Pinterest, um, and I was head of trust and safety operations over there when the board here at TSPA approached me about potentially uh, taking this executive director job. And I have to admit at the time, I said, oh, you know, this is so flattering, thank you, but uh, I've never been an executive director and I don't think I'm qualified, goodbye. (laughs) I I really, um, you know, I often say like, I am the sort of person, you know, my expertise is in online trust and safety. So if if you need someone who has an opinion on, you know, people who fall in love with umbrellas, you know, like paraphilias. I'm your person. I can talk to you about that, but I don't necessarily know anything about running a nonprofit. So why, why would you approach me? Um, but in conversations with, uh, with the board and with the co-founders, I think you had um, one of the co-founders on, uh, on the podcast earlier, Adeline Sai. Um, you know, what they emphasized to me was what they were trying to do at TSPA is build a community for people who do the work that, I and my team were engaged with. And the more I, I heard about it and the more I, I understood about what they were trying to build, the more I realized I have to get involved with this. This is so necessary and and will be such a service and such a cool project to be doing with our community. Uh, you know, when we talked about when we talk about trust and safety professionals, um, I think a lot of people think, oh, that's content moderators. And mm-hmm. yes, that's true. It is content moderators or oh, that's uh, people who write the policy. Yeah, that is people who write the policy. Uh, But it's actually a a huge group of people around the world. We estimate there's probably a couple hundred thousand trust and safety professionals worldwide who do 
all sorts of type of jobs. You know, they do um, incident management. They do analytics on, you know, trust and safety approaches, what works, what doesn't. They build the tools. They understand um, how policy impacts product and how to then shape that policy. They build machine learning and, and AI. They do legal compliance. There's all sorts of jobs that we would broadly define as falling un- into trust and safety online. Um, and so mm-hmm. I took the job because, you know, I have had the intense uh, honor of working with this community for so long in so many capacities. And I know how awesome they all are and how difficult the job is. And if there is an organization that can come alongside those individuals and those teams and make that job easier in some part, of course I want to be involved with that. So yeah. I went back to Pinterest and said, sorry, I'm going <laughs> to go. And they were very lovely about it. Pinterest, of course, is one of our corporate supporters. So it, it all worked out. And this this journey of yours through Facebook, Pinterest, and, and now what, what you're doing, how would you say your perspective on trust and safety has evolved? And at the same time, you know, the world of trust and safety must have evolved alongside that because, you know, when Facebook was an early stage startup, the the types of problems um, in that in that um, world were very different then, weren't they? So, you know, in what way do you think your view on it has changed and, and it has changed alongside you? Yes. Um, the world is very different now and the world is also the same. Um, you know, I think one of the one of the real benefits of working in trust and safety is you see the same sorts of things over and over and they're a little different every time. And there's um, always some context, right? Um, Where you can look at an event or an action that's happening at this moment and say, ah, this is a little like that thing we did that one time, or this is a little Mm -hmm. like that scenario that happened over there. And this is sort of the natural outcome of that. Um, You know, I often say, humanity is infinitely creative, right? And all trust and safety is, is problem solving and problem solving often uh, against uh, very creative ways around uh, your problem solving, you know? Mm-hmm. So there are millions and, and indeed billions of people out there online, um, some of whom are going to do anything they can to get around your rules and your job as a professional is to figure out how they're doing it and make sure that you're matching them, you know? Um I think that in the early days, um, it was much more, uh, it was much more sometimes what we term artisanal, which I'm not sure how I feel about that <laughs> phrase sounds, but you know, uh, it was more, um, okay, we are, we are putting together this particular product. It is very unique. It achieves this, these particular aims and we are going to write rules tailored very specifically to what we are trying to achieve with this platform. And, um, we don't maybe need to write them, uh, you know, in, in a very detailed way because we'll know it when we see it because it's our community, it's our platform, we get it. Um, and increasingly as platforms have grown in particular, we're starting to see what we would call more industrial scale where, you know, it's four people on your moderation team, uh, making a decision. Okay. Well, you can kind of all stay aligned, right? Uh, when you need, a few hundred or, you know, a few hundred people or a few thousand people making those moderation decisions. It's much harder to keep everybody on the Mm. same page. So it sort of has to act like, uh, like more of a, an assembly line than uh, a coffee hour. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's been really interesting, you know, certainly working at places that have had to go through that transition and seeing how, um, 
you know, how companies or, or groups that are now at the beginning stages of that journey are trying to learn from companies who have made that journey. Uh, and a lot of what, you know, TSPA is about is about connecting people in those roles and helping people learn from each other so that, you know, no one's having to repeat the same mistakes if they could have mm-hmm. been avoided. Everyone can learn sort of further down the line without having had to go through the journey themselves. Yeah. And so in terms of the membership, what who typically joins the association and, and who's actually even eligible to join? Yeah, so uh, our association is for anyone who is a trust and safety professional. Um, and we define that very broadly, as I mentioned, we say that as anybody who develops and enforces principles and policies that define acceptable content or behavior online. Um, and basically, you're, are, if you make any money doing it, you're a professional, right? It doesn't have to be your full-time job. Uh, there are you know, folks in-house, we would say, in sort of the big tech firms. There are folks with third-party moderation services. All of those people are trust and safety professionals. The way membership works right now is um, we have a group of corporate supporters, um, companies who have committed either one-year or uh, multi-year levels of support, and uh, anyone who they say is a trust and safety professional within their company automatically has membership. Membership is held by the individual, not by the company, and that's something that's sort of unique about our model. So, um, you know, companies who give us support they're wonderful. We are grateful, but they don't have any. Um, they, don't, they aren't able to vote on proceedings. Um, they don't have any sort of way to control the uh, the end product of, of what we are giving to our members. That's all voted on by the members themselves. We're looking at piloting uh, an individual membership option this year, uh, or this year, this half actually, in the mm-hmm. next couple months, <laughs> and uh, we think that's going to be really critical for us because there's a lot of companies out there who just, you know, they they don't necessarily have any extra budget. Uh, they, if they do, they're not going to spend it on something like TSBA membership for their teams, and that's fine, right? We want to make membership accessible to everybody, um, and individual membership is going to be a big part of that. Literally, the reason we don't have that right now is we need a software that can like track everybody. Mm-hmm. So people keep asking. We keep getting these questions like, when can I join? And I'm like, oh, I hope really soon, but we're doing you know, like software demos to figure out how to like set this up with a system that's not going to be a pain for you when you join. So that's one of our big projects, uh, you know, with the staff, this, this half is figuring out how do we actually structure it? Cause mm-hmm. as much as we are, yes, we're this professional association, we're also kind of a startup and that's a really interesting place to be. Yeah. And I suppose, especially interesting at a time when trust and safety has come under intense scrutiny. And I suppose that's a result of, of the pandemic and people at home. How has it felt for you and what challenges have you faced coming into this role during this this strange time? And, and now as we hopefully head out of it, what, how, how do you think the, the current uh, times have, have affected the, the, the challenges that you faced? I think that the pandemic, um, the pandemic has one silver lining for us as an organization, and it is that it it was an automatic lesson in how global we need to be and how accessible we need to make our programming for um, for members. And you know, I say that because I think you know when we had originally. Um, I can't speak obviously for the co-founders because I was not one, but um, mm-hmm. you know I think the original vision was okay. We're going to be doing a lot of in-person events. We're going to 
you know, be able to get everybody together in a room. And that's wonderful for relationship building. And that necessarily excludes people who maybe should be in that room, but they can't get a plane ticket to San Francisco, right? Or, um, you know, they have childcare responsibilities and they can't make it down to, you know, the the pub or the bar at 8 p.m. or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And because we have been forced into a more virtual model with the pandemic, we have had the opportunity to learn, okay, what makes a virtual event work? And what we have had the opportunity to see is how engaged people really can be all over the world. Um, We've gotten a ton of practice just along everybody else, along with everybody else on, you know, okay, how do you run a a panel in a way that like people feel like they can participate and it's not just a boring lecture. How do you get people together for a conversation and have that feel, um, you know, welcoming, like they belong there, like they can speak up and contribute. And um, those are all lessons I think we would have had to otherwise learn in much harder ways. So I'm grateful that that's sort of the the environment we've came into as difficult as it's been. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, you know, certainly for our industry and our community, um, the pandemic has been really, really difficult. And of course the pandemic has been difficult for every industry, every community, Um, you know, trust and safety professionals. So much of uh, what keeps us in the job is the camaraderie that we have with our peers. Um, you know, time and time again, when you sort of survey uh, folks who do this sort of work, they say, well, often what keeps me here and what keeps me, you know, sort of in the game and connected is trusting my team, knowing that they're good, knowing that they support me, having a laugh with them, right? There's a lot of humor in our community. And um, that has all been so much more difficult to foster in a remote environment. And that certainly that's difficult for the folks who, you know, knew each other in the office that are now remote, but increasingly, you know, this is a growing field. We're bringing a lot of people into teams and indeed maybe into trust and safety for the first time from outside who have never been in an office with any of these people. Right. Yeah. And so how do you build those relationships with your new teammates and, and build those bonds of trust, be able to, to learn how to joke with them, understand how to best support each other. That's very difficult in, in a virtual environment. Um, you know, part of what I think is, is going to be really critical about TSPA's work is I think a number of companies have decided, hey, we're going to stay remote. And that's great for a lot of reasons. That's actually can be really good for trust and safety professionals because it's really nice to be able to say, all right, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go take care of me, right? It, it sort of it can promote work-life balance in a way that is critical for everyone, but especially for folks engaged in our sort of work. Um, but it's also very difficult. Uh, it's a difficult proposition for these teams who a lot of the way we've thought about uh, sort of wellness and resilience has been about having that community within your team that you can always rely on. And so I think a big part of what we need to do is be building that community actively, both within companies and, and across companies. And you know, that that's a role that we can play yeah. in the organization. Building this community, I mean, it, it sounds rightly so that it's been very important. What about other practical um, offerings like, you know, certifications? Is this something that you have offered, you do offer? How does that how does that fit in? This is a great question and we get it all the time because we are, of course, a professional association. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of different sorts of offerings, you know, just from from the beginning here we have um you know, a, a jobs board that is tailored to the industry. So folks coming can see, ah, this is 
the type of job I want in the specific field I want within trust and safety. We have an event hub where uh, folks can come and see events happening in the trust and safety space all over the place. We have a resources library. And I'm saying all of this stuff because we are also working on developing a curriculum. Um, and the curriculum, the role of it is going to be uh, to help people who are either getting into the field for the first time or you know, have been in the field for a little while but need to understand more or deepen their practice in a particular area. Um, it's going to help them get the knowledge and build the skills necessary to be able to do that well within their organization. Um, and when we tell people, oh, we're developing this curriculum, people say, fantastic, a certification. It's not a certification right now. Um, people are asking us very naturally if we're going to develop a certification program. And I think the answer is that um, it's complicated. Uh, it is absolutely necessary that's, that uh, a way into the field be developed. We would love to be that way. Um, and we also recognize that certification is often a barrier to entry. You know, when, when you look at uh, the role that certification plays in a lot of, um, you know, obviously not identical fields, but maybe parallel fields, um, you know, oftentimes it's someone you say, okay, you pay me $200 and I'll, I'll tell you, yep, you know how to do your job. But like our folks often already know how to do their jobs. And often they're, they're not particularly well paid, um, you know, either within their companies or within the industry. And, you know, this varies, of course, organization to organization. But in general, when you're talking about a trust and safety professional, you're not talking about someone who's got like a ton of extra cash. And so we are trying to figure out how can we use the expertise that we have the tremendous work of our curriculum working group um, to make this knowledge more accessible and to not put a paywall in front of that and still be able to deliver a meaningful education for folks who can then go to prospective employers and say, hey, I understand how to do a transparency report and here's how. I understand how to craft a set of policies and here's how. Um, and so that's very much a, a question we're grappling with mm -hmm. and we're, we're really seeking a lot of input on. And as you come through uh, this year and, and you're talking about some of the, the um, new ideas that you want to implement, what do you feel that it is a priority at the moment for, you know, the, our audience, I suppose, marketplace startups? Um, and what, what would you say are some of the biggest issues that they might be dealing with as they come out of the pandemic from a trust and safety perspective you know when you listen in to maybe the conversations your members are having what you know what's what comes up now uh, time and time again I think the main uh the main perhaps not new thing but the main thing coming out of the pandemic has really just been the level of scrutiny that our um our industry really is now receiving from the public and that has always been true you know sort of marketplace trust and safety etc there's always been you know some level of public interest in hey, okay like what is this work you're doing and how does it impact me but because almost the entire world just spent an entire year of their lives on the internet <laughs> um there was a lot of time and a lot of you know sort of media cycle and politics cycle around hey, now, who's making these choices? What are these choices all about, right? And so I think, you know, the, the world we're exiting into is going to be um, fundamentally different than, than the world we had pre-pandemic because everyone's had a year to really notice and think about, you know, governance structures online and, you know, how people decide what is fair, how people decide what is um, appropriate, right? And that is our 
that's our practitioner's bread and butter. You know, that's literally what we do. And so um, I think a lot of what, you know, we're going to need to, to grapple with is how do we respond and how do we sort of demystify the field, right? Um, how do we help the public understand, hey, you know, we are normal people doing this job and here's what it's like and here's how we do it and here's how we do it in a way that ensures we are reaching just outcomes, that we are taking into account every piece of information that we can be, um, you know, that we're, we're doing it in a way that um, the public can, can trust and be proud of rather than be suspicious of. And, um, you know, that, that's a very broad problem. It's a very broad question. But I think that is like the yeah. defining question coming out of the pandemic. I'm going to ask you a bit about the, the sort of geography of the association as well, because obviously you are on the west coast of the, the US. This is a, a, a an American um, organization. But at the same time, a lot of the platforms that you work with or the, the individuals who work for the platforms um, are you know, global platforms and marketplace risk, we're, we're global too. How do you um, operate in that sense that, you know, the, the online community is global? Are there other similar associations in other countries or how do you connect up? And, and in terms of the geography of where you work in the US, do you tend to find that there are um, specific states that, um, you know, where you find more trust and safety professionals than others? How, how does it all sort of fit in on the map, I suppose, is what I'm asking. Yes, um, you know, you're right that we have, uh, we are an American-based organization, but we, we do have a very global membership because, uh, as you said, a number of our corporate supporters are large global companies, right? So we have um, thousands of members, many of whom are not in the U.S. And, and are never going to be in the U.S., right? So uh, a lot of what we've had to think about is, you know, how do we develop programming that is mm. accessible time-wise, right? Um, we really try when we are developing our programming to ensure that we are listening to voices, not just from Silicon Valley, but from all over our, our membership. So we all try to almost and of course, it depends on the topic, but we try to always have, you know, someone from Europe, someone from Asia, um, you know, making sure that we've got a, a diversity of geographies on our panels and um, working on our, uh, our, our, um, sorry, I'm just trailing off here. We're going to have to edit that part. Working on our, um, our working groups. So, you know, our curriculum and um, our, our wellness and resilience resource groups. Um, we... I think, if anything, need to, and something we're, we're focused on for our annual plan, is actively seeking more membership and more involvement uh, in places that uh, represent a large sort of physical presence for trust and safety professionals, but aren't necessarily represented in our membership yet. Um, you know, we know there's a lot, lot of work done by professionals uh, in the global South in general, but in particular in places like the Philippines and places like Indonesia, um, in many countries in Latin America. And so, um, you know, a lot of what we want to, to spend our time on is seeking out those geographical groups and say, hey, you know, we exist. Yes, we are based in America, but we want to have everybody in, you know, what services can we provide for you? How can we make this, you know, something that, that you would find useful and that, you can sort of use to teach other folks in our space about the experiences that you are having, the type of work that you are doing, what you are noticing in that work that people globally need to be paying attention to. 
that's a great thing for a trust and safety professional to feel that they aren't just joining a sort of you know an american association they're joining a global community and mm -hmm. for a job that must be at times you know quite stressful but also quite isolating that must be a huge benefit to your to your members to the point where i wonder what they did before but i suppose this um association has evolved as has the amount of um you know at the same time as as this um you know growing um you know role in in big platforms you know to the point where i suppose it's um, it's met the need that was there is it would you say that was mm -hmm. was accurate i think that's right and you know there, there's always been a lot of interest in the practitioner community on like okay well you know surely not other people must do this what is that like who are they? How can I get to know them? Right. Um, and there's just not up to this point, there hasn't been a good functional way to do that. Right. Um, you know, what are you going to do? Go out on LinkedIn and say, hi, do you work in content moderation anywhere? Get in touch. Right. Mm -hmm. Your networks don't overlap. And so a big part of what we want to do is sort of fuse those networks together and, and make those connections to where you're not depending on like, oh, maybe I'll get sent on a business trip to a location and then I might get to meet someone, right? Like, no, yeah. we can we can facilitate all of that yeah. much more easily. Because mm. otherwise, um, you know, so, yeah. otherwise it's exactly. a bit hit and miss, it's, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so hit and miss. And, and it's, very, it's very siloed work, you know, frankly, even, you know, even in one geography, right? There, there was a time and it's a little hard to talk about now because of course no one's seeing anybody, right? But even in, in the before times, you know, pre-pandemic, even if you worked, you know, and okay, I work in San Francisco, right? It was not a guarantee that you knew any of the people doing trust and safety at a parallel San Francisco company, right? There just wasn't necessarily a good forum for you to get together. And even though trust and safety, we often say is, is a non-compete space, right? There weren't a lot of sort of incentives or opportunities to, to really be making those connections actively. And, you know, we would sometimes see each other at conferences that were really meant for some other group. And we'd be kind of there lurking around in the margins like, oh, I see you. Are you there? Cool. Nice to meet you. Right. But now we have a reason to be getting together. And you multiply that across all the different places where this work is performed. And, and that's a really powerful yeah. premise. Yeah. Um, we're going to wrap up, Charlotte, but I just wanted to ask you just one final question really about, you know, as we enter this, the second half of your first year in, in this role, um, what, what plans have you got? Have you got anything you can give away? Any, um, you know, any little teasers of, of anything that might be coming up or any plans that um, you want to share? Yes, we, we are always planning over here. We're a plans organization. Um, so I think the, the, what we're working on right now uh, is looking at a conference. Um, conference, of course, it's a little, it's a little dicey because everywhere has slightly different things going on with COVID. Um, we would like to be able to host uh, a hybrid in-person and virtual event for our members, um, probably at this point, uh, you know, a lot of the content would be virtual or simulcast and then hopefully be able to work with our members in a bunch of our hub locations and say, hey, you know, you get you can host an event, you know, get people together. Um, and we want that event to be, um, you know, when we were talking about it, I said, I'd like it to almost have a reunion feel um, because we're all coming out of this, hopefully coming out of this very long and very dark time. And it will just be so wonderful to see each other again. And so um, 
we're hoping to have uh, a couple days in October is kind of what we're shooting for right now, um, where we are bringing our folks back together and, and allowing them that space and that time to, you know, reconnect with mm-hmm. folks that they know, um, meet new people. A bunch of people have actually changed companies during the pandemic. I, I am one of them, right? Yes. And so helping people kind of get reoriented mm-hmm. in the community, um, you know, in their local spaces. And that's something, obviously, we, we need to do a lot of planning on, but that's in the early stages yeah. of planning. Um, we are going to be forging ahead with this curriculum, as I mentioned, which Um, you know, we're going to be focused on uh, a legal unit. We're going to be doing one about sort of law enforcement response. A lot of the, the things that, you know, when you're especially starting out in trust and safety, you do need to learn at some point, but this hasn't really been a good place to ask yet. Um, and we're going to be, uh, especially as, as the pandemic hopefully, um, subsides, we're going to be focused a lot on just events in general. Um, you know, I tell people my, our goal is, to have four events a month and people gasp like four events a month. And, and yeah, we, that's what we want because we have a lot of membership and we have a lot of opportunities to, or we have a lot of things we want to talk about. Right. Um, mm. So we're hoping to have, um, you know, interest groups getting together. If you, you know, do trust and safety data and analytics, fantastic. Here's your interest group. Go, you know, have a picnic, go get a beer. Fantastic. Um, you know, we, we want um, folks who work on particular areas of, um, of policy or uh, of enforcement, right? Uh, maybe you are the folks who um, work on uh, self-harm and eating disorders, right? That's a very tough job. And, and there's not a lot of guidance right now around, you know, what do you do? What is the right approach? What's, what's something that will help the user the most? And so being able to connect all the people working on that sort of question, getting them together, um, we want to have, we're developing um, a few different speaker series focused on people within our membership sharing what they're doing and, you know, not spilling the beans, not you know, violating their company NDAs, but being able to talk about, you know, like some cool stuff they're working on, a little show and tell. Um, you know, everybody in this field, when they hear about what somebody else is working on, is, is just like, that is so cool. Wow. It gives them so much to think about. They can bring it back to their teams and talk about it, right? So a lot of what we're focused on for the second half of the year is really getting, getting that humming. Um, we think that's really critical for our membership. Yeah, and for your point, of, from your point of view, also it's actually m- meeting members face to face, which is going to be um, brilliant for you. Um, mm-hmm. And in, in this role, there's not many people that have. Well, I imagine there's actually <laughs> probably quite a few people who have taken on a role and um, you know literally not met a, a single one of their colleagues face to face. So I wish you all the best with that, Charlotte, and um, I can't wait to to hear how it all goes and I hope. Um, I hope the autumn um, brings these these in-person events um, and, yeah, you get to enjoy them. Hope be so. Great. And thank you. Well, and, and I was going to say, and I hope um, we will see you in, in September, at least Marketplace Risk, um, you know, with, with your own events. So yes. Hopefully happening yes, and we're we, going to see you. Yeah, so. we keep saying hopefully and uh, let's, let's keep it that way. Fingers crossed. And Charlotte, thank mm-hmm. you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, it's been great to hear about the TSPA and and your new role and um, I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk. Tune in next week for another podcast.